Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Creating Happy Writers podcast. Thank you for joining me as we delve into the exciting world of writing and publishing non-fiction books and everything in between. My name is Steph Caswell and I'm an author and writing coach on a mission to help you find confidence and happiness in your writing journey, to explore what it means to be a non-fiction writer. Because writing is more than getting words on a page, it's more than holding your finished book in your hands. It's about the personal journey we go on as writers, the challenges and the triumphs we face on a regular basis. But it's not just about that. I want to empower you to write a book in your niche, to become the go-to expert. Because you can use a book to grow your business and be a thought leader in your field. You just have to know how to do it. I'm also an avid reader and feel we can learn much from the writers who have gone before us. So during these episodes, I'll be sharing non-fiction books I think you'll love and learn from too. So without further ado, let's get cracking. In this week's episode, we're looking at your publishing options, which is something that's important to think about even before you start writing your book. And it's something that I get asked about almost daily from people who are thinking of writing a book in their niche. Will you go for self-publishing or traditional publishing? What about hybrid? What the heck is hybrid anyway? Which one's best for you? We're going to cover all of this in today's episode so you can choose the publishing option that's right for you. So much has changed in the publishing world over the last decade, probably more. Getting your book published was once reserved for the special few, those who successfully managed to jump through the gazillion hoops placed there by gatekeepers of traditional publishing. Many aspiring writers had to get used to facing rejection, time and time again, unable to get their work into the hands of their readers. But the introduction of self-publishing by Amazon in 2007 changed a lot of things for a lot of people. Something that had once been for the few was now an option for the many. Cue the sound of corks popping and keyboards tapping. And while this has been fantastic for both new and experienced authors alike, it can still feel a really confusing part of the process for anyone just starting out on their writing journey. So let's look at the three main options you have, shall we? Let's start with traditional publishing. Traditional publishing has certain kudos that are ever unlikely to go away. It's really the only way to get onto bestseller lists or award lists and be easily stocked in bookshops. To be traditionally published, you can approach a publishing house directly if they're small and independent. You must approach an agent first if you want to be published by one of the bigger publishing houses. The big five will not accept unsolicited or unagented manuscripts. But who the heck are the big five? Well, Penguin Random House, Simon & Schuster, HarperCollins, Hachette Group and Macmillan. All of these have various imprints that publish across all genres. Penguin Life, for example, publishes books in the health, wellness, self-improvement space. With smaller publishers, you may be able to approach them yourself. A publisher's website often has information about submissions, telling you exactly what you need to do. And from experience, I can only emphasise this point of doing exactly what they want you to do. If you don't, 
they won't even look at your manuscript. So follow things to the letter. A traditional publisher buys a concept. You don't need a finished book to start querying. What you will need is a detailed outline or synopsis of your book idea so the publisher understands exactly what you're offering. Many things will contribute to their decision, including whether they've already got something similar on their list or whether they're currently accepting new authors. It's not always about you. Understandably, people take rejection personally, but it's important to go into the process knowing you're more likely to hear plenty of no thank yous before you hear a yes. It's just the nature of the beast. It's also worth remembering that sometimes they won't even respond to your submission. So if you put out a query and you want to hear back, you might be disappointed when they don't contact you to tell you even if they're not interested. If your book submission is accepted, you'll be paid an advance to secure the rights to your book. For a new author, this might only be a few thousand pounds, if that. If you have a master's or a PhD in a certain subject, this may help you secure more, but not always. Let's wrap up this part of traditional publishing with the pros and cons. The pros are definitely the kudos. You get support from an in-house editor, the marketing and sales teams. You're able to go into a shop and buy your book off the shelf. And you're also eligible for award nominations and bestseller lists. Unfortunately, the cons are the royalties are lower, only 10% of the cover price. And you won't see any royalties until you've earned out your advance, which basically means paying the publisher back the money they gave you to secure the rights. Keep in mind that only about 25% of books earn back their advance, which means there's a heck of a lot of people who never see royalties from the books they publish, even if they're traditionally done so. So bear that in mind if royalties are important to you, but also that it won't offer you subsequent book deals if you don't typically earn out your advance. It's likely also that you'll need a substantial audience for a publisher to be interested in your work. And they want people who have ready-made buyers. And it's why you often see people from social media getting book deals. A great example of this is Dr. Julie, who made her name on TikTok giving advice around psychology. And off the back of that, she got a publishing deal because the publisher knew that she had millions of followers on TikTok who were likely then to buy something that she offered in book format. It's always a risk for a publisher, but when you've got millions of followers or even tens of thousands of followers, you're more likely to see a result and they are a business after all and they want to see a return on their investment. So think about your social media, your email list if you have one, um, and any other way that you might be able to reach an audience that you can then show traditional publishers how you can support the marketing and the launch of your book to a ready-made audience. The facts and figures in a book proposal are really, really important to persuade traditional publishers to take that risk and to invest in your book. Finally, from initial inquiry to seeing your book out on the shelves can be 18 months to two years. So if you want to publish soon, traditional publishing isn't the option for you. Okay, let's look at the option that many authors I work with go for and the option I've used for my nonfiction, which is self-publishing. 
Once looked upon as the drunk cousin at traditional publishing's wedding, self-publishing has grown in popularity and authority. In the early days, self-publishing had a bad reputation thanks to people who published anything and everything without the support and guidance of professionals. Over time, though, those who self-publish have worked hard to move away from this reputation. And now, working with professional editors, proofreaders, cover designers, book coaches, makes it hard to tell if a book has been traditionally or self-published. I've come across books where I only realise it's self-published when I look on the inside cover to see the publisher and realise it's the author themselves. And in fact, there's nothing stopping you from creating your own publishing name either. Self-publishing, quite frankly, has never been easier. You can write your book and then publish it on any digital platforms and have it in the hands of your readers within hours. You start to collect your first royalties 60 days after publishing. There's no advance to pay back or hoops to jump through. In fact, some traditionally published authors are now opting to self-publish because they love the autonomy it offers. Just bear in mind you will need to get in with an editor early as they get booked up weeks or even months in advance. You don't want to be in a position where you've finished your book but you're having to wait months for editing. On a side note here, getting a date in with an editor can really, really help with accountability too. It can keep you focused on a deadline and actually get your book finished. Self-publishing also means you're in full control of your publishing experience, something traditionally published authors often crave. When a traditional publisher buys your concept, they have bought the rights to your book and they can then ask you to take out things or put things in that maybe you don't necessarily agree with. If you self-publish, none of that is a possibility. You decide what's in your book. You decide what's published. Amazon is the obvious choice for many self-publishers because of the ease of KDP. But there's also Lulu, Apple Books, Drafter Digital, IngramSpark and others. Not only that, you can use dropshipping to create physical copies of your book or record an audio version too. The possibilities are vast. So if we think about the pros and cons of self-publishing, much like we did with traditional publishing, the pros for me are really worth focusing on. You have greater control over when you publish, so you're not having to wait 18 months to two years, and you can then decide about subsequent books and when they're published. You get better royalties, 70% as opposed to the 10% for traditional publishing. You decide on the cover design and the marketing strategy and essentially the content of the book. Working with and supporting other small businesses like editors and designers, etc. is such an important part of why I choose to self-publish because there are so many brilliant options out there of people who have vast editing and design experience who can help your book look as professional as you want it to. And of course there are cons. The process is entirely your responsibility. So you have to do the writing, but you also have to consider the publishing, the marketing, the PR, the launch. Everything is down to you and that can feel like quite a responsibility. But actually, with some support and guidance, it doesn't need to be as overwhelming as you might think. You do have to have a budget for self-publishing. You have to be able to put money into this to pay for the editors, etc., You also have to be aware of how long it can take, like I said, for editors to be available. You're accountable. 
There are no external expectations to finish it by a particular date, unless you are somebody like me who puts self-imposed deadlines in just to make sure I get my butt in the chair. Working with somebody like me, a writing coach, can help provide those deadlines and can give you that level of accountability that maybe a traditional publisher would offer with an editor that you were responsible for too. It's also more difficult, and I want to stress not impossible, to get your book into bookshops if you're self-published. There are some great indie bookshops out there that support self-publishing authors. So if you've got one local to you, it is worth going in and asking. So it's not impossible, it's just harder. And it is also impossible, sadly, to get into a Sunday Times, New York Times bestseller list if you're self-published. They are just not catered for self-published authors. The irony being that um, I often reference Mel Robbins because A, she's a flipping hero of mine, but also because her publishing journey is so interesting. The Five Second Rule, which was the best-selling book in the non-fiction space in the year it was published, was self-published and she could not be on the New York Times bestseller list. But the thing I love about that story is that later on, the New York Times used her in their crossword as an answer to one of the questions. So the irony there is not lost. And thinking back to awards, I recently entered the Business Book Awards. I had to enter myself. So if you're traditionally published, your publisher, if they think your book is award-winning potential, they will enter your book to these types of awards. I publish my books, so I entered my book and I have been shortlisted. So it's not impossible to be recognised within the industry. It's just a little bit harder and not all awards will cater for self-published authors. But if that doesn't matter to you, then there really is no reason not to self-publish. One final option to consider is hybrid publishing. Let me start this part by saying I don't have any direct experience with this option, unlike the other two. I know a couple of authors who do, And I'm going to look to get them onto the podcast later this year to talk about their experience because I think it's a really interesting one. However, hybrid publishing is becoming more and more popular, particularly with business owners who are wanting to showcase their expertise in a book. And hybrid publishers are sometimes owned by people who used to be in traditional publishing and therefore have the experience and insider knowledge that's really, really useful. You are still paying to publish, however, and I'm not going to lie to you, it's often thousands and thousands of pounds. So you need to find a reputable hybrid publisher. I can't emphasise this point enough because there are some charlatans out there operating and calling themselves hybrid publishers and offering you the world and actually they're not delivering and taking your money and you're left. Yes, you have a book at the end of it, but you haven't got the support you were promised. You won't receive an advance from a hybrid publisher, but you will get royalties. Essentially, with a hybrid publisher, you are funding uh, an exchange of assistance for money. So if you imagine that you might go to a writing coach to help you write the book or a ghostwriter, uh, you then go and find an editor and then you need to find a proofreader and then you need to find someone to support you with marketing your book and launching it and potentially PR. You're going to lots of different people and the good thing about hybrid publishers is they offer all of that in-house and you're paying one fee which gets you all that support. So it does have its benefits 
But again, just be careful who you're using. Look for recommendations and really do your research about people who are reputable in the hybrid publishing space. So as you've heard in today's episode, where and how you publish is entirely up to you. I love the self-publishing option for small business owners, as it's fairly straightforward. Something that hybrid publishing seems to be increasingly offering too. But don't be put off by approaching a traditional publisher if that's where your heart lies. It's not impossible. As long as you're ready for the journey ahead, traditional publishing can be an excellent way to get your work out into the world. And funnily enough, with my children's book, that is the journey that I hope to take. I want to be traditionally published as a children's book author. So it really does depend on how you feel and where your heart lies. So don't be put off, but just be prepared. Go with your gut. You'll know what feels right for you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it's given you plenty to think about when considering your publishing options. In the show notes, I've linked to a fantastic free PDF by author Jane Friedman, who has over 20 years experience in the publishing industry. Jane's grid is fantastic because it shows you all the options on one sheet of paper and you can print it and put it up and it gives you the pros and cons, much like I've done in this episode, that you can refer back to and start to think to yourself which path suits me best. I'll pop the link in the show notes because I think it's going to be really, really helpful to you. If you found the episode helpful and enjoyable, I'd be so grateful if you could leave a review on your favourite podcast platform. Much like book reviews, podcast reviews can make all the difference in getting more listeners and spreading the Creating Happy Writers message. And if you know another writer who'd enjoy these episodes, do share it with them too. You can give me a shout out on social media using the hashtag Creating Happy Writers. If you'd like to connect, you can find me at creatinghappywriters.com and on Instagram and Facebook at, you guessed it, Creating Happy Writers. If you'd like further support to write a book in your niche, you can buy a copy of my book, Dare to Write, How to Confidently Write a Non-Fiction Book to Grow Your Business, which takes you on the journey from initial idea to publication. It's recently been shortlisted for a Business Book Award, so it sounds as though quite a few people are enjoying it, and I think you should grab a copy too. All links are in the show notes, so until next time, my writing friend, happy writing! <laughs>